When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Go, you Redbirds! Go, you Redbirds! On the battle, fight for ISU! Welcome to In the Nest, the Illinois State Athletics Podcast. Now, here's the voice of the Redbirds, John Fitzgerald. Hi again and welcome in to another edition of In the Nest, the official podcast of Illinois State Redbird Athletics from Learfield. I'm John Fitzgerald and today we're joined by Illinois State University Assistant Athletics Director for Medical Services, John Munn, who's in the midst of his 31st year on the athletic training staff here at ISU and just completed his 29th season as a head athletic trainer for the Redbird men's basketball program. Today's conversation brought to you in part by Jason's Deli. Redbird fans, all good things start with wholesome ingredients. Visit Jason's Deli in Normal on Veterans Parkway today and receive free ice cream with every purchase. John, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you? 31 years. Where's the time gone? Oh boy, it's 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 been a ride. I mean, I've seen a, I've seen a lot of basketball games and a lot of basketball practices. When you got into this back as an undergraduate in college at Wake Forest, how quickly did you know that this was going to be your life profession and the career track that you were going to be on? I, actually, I think it took me a little bit of time to realize that I had to step away. I, to, to realize it, I actually went and worked at a YMCA in a small town in Southern Virginia for a year. And I got into that for about three, and it wasn't as an athletic trainer, it was more of like an exercise prescription kind of guy. And it took me about three or four months of being in that job to realize I needed to get back into athletic training. So that was, that was kind of the impetus for me getting back in. And I had already gotten an undergraduate degree, but it wasn't in athletic training. Uh, so I had to go get a graduate degree in athletic training. I went to Indiana, and that pretty much capped it. I, I was, you know, a big fan of working. I worked with Indiana football the whole year, and it was a great experience. And I, the academic portion was just absolutely fantastic. And, and the, the athletic experience was absolutely fantastic. Um, we got to beat Purdue that year. We got to win the old Oaken bucket for the Purdue fans out there. You know, uh, that they, Indiana hadn't won it much <laughs> lately. But, uh, you know, again, it was a lot of – and, again, I can't imagine where I'd be without that experience. So – that really told me, hey, you've got to be a collegiate athletic trainer for the rest of your life. 
The profession of college athletics, whether or not you're an administrator, staff member, sports information director, marketing, they're obviously not your typical banker's hours, generally speaking. But for you especially and your peers in the athletic training realm, it's really as much a passion play as much as it is an advocation because this is something that really is a motivating factor of giving back and trying to help athletes a rehab in certain situations but really achieve their highest level they can and again you know it's it it boils down to you're right and it boils down to more than just doing like rehab and stuff i mean it's it's a friendship it's a it's a relationship. I mean, you know, I, you know, and I'll, I'll pick on Malachi. You know, I, the, probably the best part of my day two days ago was when Malachi walked in here into the athletic training room and just said, hey, I just, he just came in just to chat and just say hi. You know, those are the things that I really genuinely enjoy and to get to know these guys and, you know, kind of know what, they, what makes them tick. And, again, I'm obviously closest to men's basketball just because I work with those guys every single day. But, you know, the volleyball team was just in the athletic training room a bit ago, and I was, you know, talking to a couple of them. I mean, those are the relationships and those are the things that um, I really, really, really enjoy. Um, and it is a labor of love. It, it definitely takes a lot of time off your plate, and it takes time away from your personal life and your family and everything else. But, you know, I – I, I really struggle to think what am I going to do when I'm not working as an athletic trainer because it is something I, you know I, it, it is it's a it's it's a helping profession it's a healing profession I love the physicians that I work with it's just it's an amazing experience people talk oftentimes especially over the last five years or so about the student athlete experience how important that is that they enjoy their experience at an institution as a student athlete and obviously Athletic departments have grown staff member-wise in numbers just due to the fact of trying to kind of keep up with the Joneses in many cases. But you do, and you touched on this moments ago, this is a really unique profession where you directly impact the student-athlete's experience. And it's not necessarily from rehab and whether or not that was successful and whether or not they get back in the field or the court, but it is that friendship and it is that relationship and that kind face and that personal get to know you that they have they can rely on because like it or not at times you're going to see student athletes at their best and you're going to see them oftentimes in their most vulnerable situations and being able to kind of bridge that friendship and that relationship plays a huge role I think in the experience of the student athlete exactly and I and I often say I believe athletic trainers are oftentimes put in a really difficult position and um I I kind of say that you're in the middle of a triangle, uh, three points of a triangle. You know, one point is the athlete. The other point is the, the coach and the program. And, you know, the other point is the department and the university as a whole. And sometimes you have to step in front of the athlete and protect them and say, look, coach, or look, university, or look, world, this guy can't participate. You know, they're too hurt, or this young lady's got a sickness and, or illness and they can't, they can't participate. Sometimes you have to stand in front of the coach and protect, or, and, and protect the program and say, look, you know, athlete, you're, you know, I know you're a little sore, but you've got to push and you've got to go through things and you've got to, you know, we're going to be okay. You know, trust me, trust our physicians. You know, and sometimes coaches and players come up with ideas and the university goes, whoa, hold on a minute. I don't, I'm not sure that's such a good idea. Now that doesn't happen nearly as much as you would think, but it does happen. So, you know, you have to kind of move back and forth and, you know, you put yourself in an odd position sometimes. It's like, you know, 
And I sometimes I sit in my office and close my eyes and put my head in my hands and go, oh, my gosh, how am I going to handle this situation? You know, you want to be you want to be a player's athletic trainer, but you also want to work with your coaches and your administrators to, to make sure that works, too. So it's it's a real, real challenge. And yes, you're right. So, I mean, you know, I, some of the I mean, I if you get me talking about it too much, I might start crying. But some of the athletes that have been hurt and some of the times I've spent in emergency rooms or next to the MRI machines or stuff and. You know, it, it really it really puts you know puts you in perspective that you know this is these guys' livelihoods potentially. This is everything they've done since they were you know however old they were, and it is exceptionally important to to them. And if you lose sight that how important it is to them and everything that you're doing with them makes a difference, then it's it's you're you're in it for the wrong reason. As you've gone through this and you've elevated yourself through your tenure here at Illinois State, now Assistant Athletic Director for Medical Services, and you look at the landscape, and you touched on some of this moments ago, but obviously you need a master's degree with regard to athletic training. You need the background in rehab, injury prevention, etc. But you also, in your role, my guess is you need to be schooled pretty well on insurance matters and probably... It wouldn't hurt to have a legal degree this day and age either. What exactly? And you also manage a full staff as well as students. From a from a time standpoint, obviously men's basketball is the one sport that you're working with on a day to day basis. But how do you divvy up your time to take care of everything department wide right now? Because we're talking about 450 plus athletes right now, correct? Right, about uh, give or take 400. You'd have to ask compliance that question again. You know you. I think a lot of it is you surround yourself with good people. Um, you know, our administration, you know, has allowed us to be able to go out and, you know, get great physicians. And, you know, somebody like Jason Hartzler, who is our insurance coordinator across campus. I mean, you know, Jason does a lot of our insurance stuff. And him and I talk, oh, gosh, many, many times a week. Uh, you know, things like that are just, you know, are, that's what you have to do is you have to surround yourself with good people. Um, yeah, during basketball season, I will admit I did put some things on the back burner. And my, my, my common thought to myself is that's a spring and summer project. As I get out of, <laughs> as I get out of basketball season, then I can kind of breathe a little bit. Um, I've got about four or five spring or summer projects going on right now. But, you know, again, I think part of it, you have to just divvy up your time and you have to say what's a priority. I mean, you know, again, you know, you know, an athlete brings in a bill that's gone to collections because something slipped through the cracks. I mean, that's that's a big problem. I mean, you've got to make sure that person doesn't have their credit rated, in fact, because they can't buy a house. I, I get people that all the time. Hey, I'm trying to buy a house, trying to buy a car. I've got this bill from Illinois State, you know, and I, you know, we can a lot of times we can help work those things out, you know, and kind of call the providers and things like that. But, you know, but again, you know, I, I think we've been we've talked over the course of basketball season about just, you know, even things like mental health, that things that I've never, ever was trained in in my schooling and my education and my, my experiences early on. But now it's such a prevalent part of what we have to do. And again, we surround ourselves with good people. We you know we have a student counseling service on campus that they're really good. They're really accessible. Um, they're qualified and very exceptional at what they do. We have Dr. Maxson, who is our our sports psychologist here in the universe in the department, and she sees a lot of our patients or a lot of our athletes as patients. And you know, it's just I think the biggest thing is trying to figure out who the people are around you. You know, relying on those people and hoping letting them do their thing and kind of tr- almost just getting out of their way and letting them do it, and then trying to you know come back and manage your staff 
that you work with every day. And again, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that the athletic trainers that work with uh, with me um, and the athletic department, they're just exceptional because they're, they're just as dedicated and just and probably more intelligent than I am. Um, you know, they all have their strengths and weaknesses. I think that's a great thing that we have is, you know, one of our athletic trainers has a little bit of an affinity working with rib dysfunction. Well, to be honest with you, I never even heard of rib dysfunction when I first got out of school and came here, but she's really good at it. So, you know, why not? She's worked with a couple of the basketball players this year. And, you know, again, that's just that's just how we how we go about doing things like that. So you talk about surrounding yourself with really good people who help collectively get the job done. You are unfortunately Fortunately, at times, I'm sure, too, but on the front line when things go that way. You talked about the changes in mental health and how that's become so prevalent and obviously just going back a couple of years dealing with the whole COVID pandemic, especially from a college athletic standpoint and especially on the fly in the middle of the spring seasons in that March of 2000. How did you kind of navigate that? Was there a support structure for you at that point? Well, that was back. Uh, I'm trying to go. I've, I've tried to block all of COVID out. I, I, it, I have the gray hair to prove it too. But you know, I go back and I look back. That's if I. Everything runs together for me because I'm getting old. But I think that was Larry was still the athletic director here. Larry Lyons was still the athletic director here, and you know, Larry did a really good job of you know he kind of put Leanna Bordner in charge of our COVID response from an internal standpoint, and it was just a really really difficult time. And I think most athletic trainers across the country would agree with, I mean, just how it's, none of us knew anything. We're not, I'm not a public health expert. I, I think I've become a lot more knowledgeable about public health, but I'm certainly not a public health expert. But, you know, I had conversations with people at the McLean County Health Department. I had, you know, Dr. Nolte, who was our student health director at the time. I mean, I would have, I mean, they need to build a statue of her in front of student health because of her work over there. I mean, so... The support system wasn't there initially because I think, as everybody did, we were all flying by the seat of our pants going, what in the world are we all going to do? And I think, you know, you can look back in the responses and, 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 and how things were. And now some of the things you look back and go, God, what were we doing? That was just the dumbest thing in the world. But that's science. That's how science evolves. That's how you you have to disprove things. And it doesn't happen overnight. And, you know, you know, like I said, at first, everybody thought this was, you know, going to be contact. So everybody was washing their hands and we were spraying down benches and basketballs and footballs and, you know, equipment. And we were doing all this stuff. And then they kind of came to realize it still can be spread that way, but not nearly as much. And, you know, people were like, well, why, why didn't they tell us that at first? Because we didn't know. And that's the thing. That's the thing I would tell you is none of us knew at first. Now we kind of move past it. And we kind of have a lot more knowledge about how to deal. We still don't know everything. Um, but you know, I'm, I can I can think of a number of athletes that have long COVID, and in, in here at Illinois State and at, within the league, we had to rule some athletes out because of you know cardiac conditions. I mean, you know, again, it was just it was oh my goodness. If I ever had to go through that again, I don't know how any of us would make it. The NCAA did, I think, a Yeoman's work of going back and giving guidance and some direction with things, and again, not knowing all the answers. It was it was really you know it was really a group effort. Obviously, that was hopefully, knock on wood, a bit of an anomaly with regard to the things we've seen in college athletics. But 31st year, this is not only a field in sports medicine, but college athletics in general. You've seen a lot of changes that have taken place since you first came to campus, haven't you? Well, yeah. I mean, and again, you're talking about in the field of sports medicine. You're talking about, you know, just even on campus. I mean, I can think of a couple of things. You know, right now we're transitioning in athletic training 
and I'm going to get in trouble for this. I can't remember exactly what they call it, but I'm going to call it the entry level masters. So, um, you know, it's 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 a requirement now to become a master's level. There's a there's a fancy term that the academic people use, and I, I apologize for not knowing it, but right off the top of my head. But you know, you have to have a master's degree now. It used to be an optional thing. Now, in the collegiate level, it's always more or less been a requirement, but now it, it it's a requirement for everybody. So that's really taken. Um, a toll on our labor force. Uh, the, the number of athletic trainers is kind of going down. Um, there's a lot. I just, I literally just this morning read a white paper on uh, the the labor issues within athletic training, and one of the things they talked about was how fewer people want to go into collegiate athletic training for a various number of reasons, which I won't bore you with. But um, you know, that's that's probably one of the bigger challenges we have right now. Uh, you know, one of the other things too, back when I started here in 1992. You know, and I can remember, you know, summers were, you know, playtime. I mean, it was, there was hardly anyone ever here. You know, we were only open for a few hours a day, well, more than a few, but we were only open for you know, a few hours a day. Now it is pretty much, you know, as soon as football or football comes back right after Memorial Day, um, you know, and, you know, baseball and track have and softball haven't even tr- finished up by Memorial Day a lot of times. So, um, you know, it just seems like, and you know, we've had to adjust our schedules because now, you know, you're getting new athletes in in early June, sometimes even late May. I mean, uh, it depends on you know their status, but you know, everything just continually changes. I mean, again, you know, it used to be a running joke, or not joke, but a running commentary is like with football was like, who's going to show up so out of shape because they didn't do anything? All they did was sit on their couch all summer. Well, now that's not even an option because these guys are just they're just they push themselves year round. I mean, and, and you know, our strength and conditioning staff. You know, those guys just push all of our athletes really hard to get to where they need to be because if you don't, you're not competitive. So, You bring up a couple points I want to touch on, and the first one is we can talk about the profession and, you know, from a labor standpoint. I, I think that athletic training is probably first and foremost, but I think we've seen maybe even since COVID uh, a significant departure in even staff and administrative jobs in college athletics. Oftentimes, uh, the talk is anything from pay to the number of hours entailed. But when you think about the hours that are entailed for this position, obviously, the hours of time and practices throughout the calendar year have increased, as you just said. Yet, as we talked about early on, how important and unique that relationship is to the student-athletes, what's the best kind of way to overcome that aspect moving forward? Because... You know, I know some people might outsource a little bit more for their athletic training, especially at the lower levels. But then there's that lack of relationship and that student-athlete experience and that really caring, friendly face that they're able to see every day when they come in for rehab. So for all those things to merge, what's the best way of going about to try to fix that labor shortage? Well, if I knew that answer, I'd probably write a book, make my <laughs> make my million dollars and move or more than a million dollars and move on. But, I mean, I think one of the things you kind of spurred me was – I think one of the big advantages that I have is, and our, and our athletic trainers here at Illinois State, that we know our athletes. So I know my basketball guys pretty well. And if something's wrong, I can usually pick up on it. You know, if a guy, and again, I'll use concussion as an example. You know, if a guy gets hit in the head and they come over to the side, I mean, a lot of people may look at them and go, well, they look okay, they're fine. I'm like, no, 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 they're, they're way off. You know, I can tell just because I know them. So I think... Like you said, the relationships are important. Getting to know your athletes, you know, and I know Andrew and Jackson and Cassie over at football. They know their athletic, they know their football players better than anyone. Raquel knows her women's basketball players better than anyone. So I think that is important. And the athletes, 
I think the athletes respect that because, you know, again, I can be standing in the in athletic training room and I've got all this experience and stuff, but if an athlete that I don't work with every day sees me, they'll wave to me and say, hey, and they'll go right to their athletic trainer. And I, I like that because that's, that, that's what it is. And I think the athletic trainers really, that's what I think we all thrive on. Um, how, how can you push that to get a change and hopefully making people want to get into this profession? Uh, again, I, I really, I hate to say, I don't know. Um, I really don't. I, I, I think it's a great profession. I have, wouldn't have, I mean, like I said, it's a labor of love. I've been here this long. As I tell people, I hadn't been here this long because I hate this place. I mean, this is a part of me now. I, you know, I, I tell people I wish I had a degree from Illinois State because this is such a special place to me and to my family. My wife's, my wife is an alumni. My both of my sons go to school here. I mean, we love Illinois State, and you know, I, I I think we've done a pretty good job recruiting our athletic trainers to come here, and they typically stay for a little bit of time. But you know, again, like everybody else, they you know have they get you know happy feet and want to move on and make a little more money or maybe you know adjust their situation or move closer to their families or whatever. But you know, I think we've done that here, trying to make it, um, you know, an enticing positions. But again, at the end of the day, you know, it's it's a challenge everywhere. We talk also one of the things you brought up about the fact, that, and you can go back decades, whether or not it be pro or college. I mean, I think generally speaking, you could say athletes are bigger, stronger, faster these days than they were 30, 40, 50 years ago. Also, obviously, they put in a lot more time, as you mentioned. Now it's throughout the summer. It's probably extended off-season training and conditioning. The prevalence of strength and conditioning coaches has really blown up in the last 15 to 20 years at all institutions of any level. Have you noticed from an athletic training perspective and an injury perspective, has there been a significant difference? At what point has that taxation of a 18 to 21 year old student athlete become detrimental at times? You know, and, I, and there's literature out there and uh, to document or to support some of these things. But I think there is a, I think you have to look before they even come to the collegiate level. I think you even look at it maybe before the high school level is the two things are year-round sports and early sports specialization. And, you know, you know and I'm, I'm going to pick on baseball, and Coach Holm, don't yell at me for this if you're listening to this, but, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, baseball, a young man playing baseball, or maybe Coach Kramos don't yell at me either, but, you know, a young lady playing softball somewhere might uh, start playing. She may play 9, 10, 11, 12 months out of the year when she's 10 or 12 years old. And again, I, I get the the, the, concept, the concept that if they don't do it year round, then they become they, they're not skilled enough to make it to the level that you know where Coach Holm or Coach Kramos might want them on the baseball or softball field. So, um, but again, it does it does break them down, and you do see things in people um, that you normally wouldn't have seen 15, 20 years ago because it wasn't quite as prevalent back then. I mean, you're talking about you know chronic overuse injuries. I mean, I read some literature that talks about, you know, baseball pitchers, you know, having Tommy John on or collateral ligament tears in their elbows when they're like eight and nine years old. I mean, that's just, and that's, that is a lot of pitch volume. That's a lot of overdoing it and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, again, it's, it's really hard physically when they get here and they're already a little bit broken down. Um, you know, there's also a mental concept to that too. You know, a lot of people get driven and pushed and they go really, really hard and then they get here, and then it gets ramped up. I mean, let's, let's get realistic. I mean, you know, you're playing, you know, in the summertime or whatever. You know, when I played, I played Little League Baseball. I had one practice a week and one game a week. You know, that that's unheard of now. So, I mean, I, granted, I'm, I was in the dark ages. But, I mean, 
again, you know, I, I, I think that's a big, big problem that we have to have as athletic trainers is, and I think our coaches have to be cognizant, and they are, they're, they're very receptive to, you know, and I'm going to pick on Brock a little bit here. I mean, you know, I think Brock has changed, in football has changed his mentality a little bit about how hard he pushes some of his guys, especially in like preseason camp. You know, I mean, I, you know, I give Brock a lot of credit because, I mean, he's, you know, I, I, I don't work directly with him, but I, I know what his thoughts and, prom, thoughts and processes are. And I think he realizes you just can't push him quite as hard in certain aspects. Now, they, they, don't get me wrong. They work their tails off. But, you know, he's – I think their coaches have learned that. And it's, it's, it's a challenge for everyone involved. 31 years – as you look back, and without putting you on the spot, one or two of your favorite, and we could even say men's basketball since you've been there, athletic trainer for 29 years, but a couple of your favorite memories with regard to either the athletic department as a whole or a program. Favorite memories? Well, I think, I think the highlight uh, I think the highlight would probably be the NCAA win in 1998. I think I'm dating myself here when – Kyle threw the ball to Mueller underneath the basket, and Mueller makes the layup, and we go up one against Tennessee. And as I like to tell people on the first thing is, if you watch, they threw the ball to half court, and the guy took a shot from half court to beat us, and it was pretty close. And, uh, you know, Mueller was standing right there in front of him, guarding him. That just shows you how Dan played on defense. And, you know, I, I got to be honest with you, I'm kind of getting a little welly-eyed right now just because, you know, I, that that's a pretty special moment. That team was pretty special to me. And... Um, I don't get real excited on the bench. I'm, I, I, you know, Dr. Andrews, um, the, the big sports medicine physician, always says, you know, and my mentor, John Schrader from Indiana, used to always tell me that, you know, you can't get so wrapped up into a game because you may have to make a medical decision and you have to make a decision which is in the best interest of a student athlete. And if you're so wrapped up into the outcome of a game, it could skew your judgment. So people give me a hard time and says, well, you don't ever get excited. Oh, trust me, my heart's about to pound out of my chest a lot of times. But I was jumping up and down on the end of the bench there. I showed that to somebody the other day, and they're like, oh, my God, I can't believe how excited you are. I said, that, that was a pretty <laughs> exciting moment. So that that probably is one of the biggest moments. You know, Unfortunately, a lot of my memories, some of my stronger memories, go back to when guys got hurt. And, you know, for privacy, I probably shouldn't say any of those things. But, I mean, you know, we had a guy that, dislocated a wrist that was you know I, that was pretty emotional for me I had a guy toward an ACL and then the next year he tore his ACL again and you know those those stick in your mind those those really you know like I said I don't I'm not a real emotional person but you know you get me talking about my guys I can get pretty emotional with those guys um you know I, I you know anytime a team wins a championship that's special I mean you know, we just gymnastics just won their championship women's indoor track just won their championship I mean you know those are really special moments and even though I don't work directly with those teams I feel a little sense of pride with athletic trainers that I know have worked so hard with those teams that work and I know a little bit about the teams those are the things that I kind of go back and go you know that's 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 really proud and you know, I'd, I'd like to get another couple NCAA tournament bids, Coach Peden, if you're listening to this. So, you know, I'd, I'd, and I know he's working his rear end off to try to get that done. But, you know, th those, are the, those are the special moments for all of us. So, Obviously, um, some of those injuries are memories that stick out for you. And because of the role you play, because of the labor of love, and because of that significant connection you have with the student-athletes, I would think those student-athletes who – do unfortunately have to succumb to injury at some point, but work their way back and then get back on the playing field of the court. That's got to be awfully special from the seat you're in. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I've 
because I'm getting old, and like I said, I get a little, I guess I'm getting sentimental in my old age. I mean, some of these guys, especially the basketball guys, you know, I, I I've started taking some pictures on my phone whenever I see a guy at a game. You know, I, Rico and Rico Hill and Kyle Cartmill came back a couple years ago when we were at TCU, and I've got a picture on my phone of me standing there with those guys. And Tyler Brown came back to a, an event. Tyrese Bryson was here. I'm trying to think, you know, Chad Altadonna from, and, and Chad's listening. He's an old guy now, but, you know, back from the early 90s when Chad was here, you know, I got a picture on my phone with him. I mean, you know, these guys come back and, you know, you, you go back and they come back in. I'm like, oh, you remember when you sprained your ankle? And we all have, you know, we have a good time about it, you know, how big it was or how swollen or how sore they were. And, you know, yeah, I mean, it's, that's, that's why you do it. I mean, that's why, you, you know, there's a special sense that, you know, I mean, I don't think I'm hiding anything, but I won't get into too much detail. But I know some people know Colton Sandage was was out, you know, for a good portion of the end of our season this year, and he got in that last game and he uh, he hit that three. That was pretty special. So uh, that was a really neat moment um, for I think Colton and his family, and obviously a lot of hard work. But what a what a neat way to go out in his his final home game. Thirty one years is a while. We've established that fact already and the statute of limitations is probably passed in in numerous situations but who is the most prickly coach you've had to deal with in your time oh boy i don't know if i want to call anybody out uh you know quite honestly they all are that i've worked with they're all really good and if you get them you back it's like you're an injured bear you get them back into a (laughs) corner they'll 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 put the claws up um you know I, they, yeah, that's a tough one to answer. I mean, they, they all have their – you know, Coach Pete and I have gotten along so good this year. I mean, he's he's such a genuinely nice guy. But don't don't think that there's not a competitive fire in there. Let me tell you right now, <laughs> that man, he wants to win worse than anybody I've ever seen. So, well, I shouldn't say that because all our coaches want to win. But, I mean, you know, again, you know, it's 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 really good. I mean, I I appreciate where they come from because it's their livelihood and they're so competitive and they want to win. So, you know, and you have sometimes you have to take back. Sometimes you get a little mad. You kind of go, "Oh boy," you know, "What's he thinking?" or "What's she thinking?" But you take a step back and and you go and you kind of understand where they're coming from. So, John, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. Yes. Really appreciate it. That's John Munn, Illinois State University Assistant Athletics Director for Medical Services. He's been our guest this week, and that'll do it for our show this week. For our entire crew, this is John Fitzgerald. We'll talk to you next time right here on In the Nest. This has been In the Nest, the Illinois State Athletics podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review however you listen. The preceding has been a Learfield presentation on the Xfinity Mobile Redbird Sports Network.